The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Nothing much, man. It's uh, one more division to go, and we got football on Thursday. Yep, yep. We're coming off of a weekend full of college football. We've come down to all the cuts Every team is down to their 53-man roster. We've had some surprising cuts. LaShawn McCoy, no longer a Buffalo Bill, scooped up promptly by the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, the big news last week, Andrew Luck decided to walk away from the game of football completely as he retired, leaving the fantasy players and the Indianapolis Colts scrambling the Indianapolis Colts team themselves were better prepared as Jacoby Brissett will be taking over Andrew Luck's spot. So just give a few thoughts before we get into this NFC East preview here on Nose Score that you can find on the CSPN at .cspn.us. Just give some thoughts about Andrew Luck before we get into this week's preview. Yeah, I think for, for um the situation I think it was a very tough decision for him but it was more of a health thing and you know at the end of the day health is first health is the priority and he pretty much may have had another injury where he would have to have extensive rehab and he didn't want to go through that I completely understand yeah, it's the same thing that Rob Gronkowski actually talked about uh, this week as well. He was uh, speaking at an event, and he basically said that when he got hurt in the Super Bowl, he pretty much knew that that was probably going to be his last game. He said he only slept like two hours asleep for the next couple of days, and uh, he was just like he was just tired of you know being hurt and, and having to go through surgery and rehab and doing all that that it takes to get ready to play another year when you get hurt. And the only way that you can stop being hurt in football is to stop playing. So that's what he decided to do. So a lot of people had a problem and issues with timing, but you know, it's never a good time to walk away from playing football when you're a quarterback in anybody's eyes. So I don't think if he would have done it at, you know, June, if he would have done it in January, people probably still would have had the same reaction. I'm just saying, at the end of the day, it was just one of those things where, you know, you, like you said, June or January, but for a long time, I think even during the shoulder rehab, when he was doing other interests, it was pretty clear that, you know, he had a lot of other interests and passions that were, taking precedent and then also looking at the fact that 
that um that he got he's he recently got married and then and then recently got married had they you know you want to start a family and you won't be able to you won't be able to be around and have be able to chase your kids and if you're getting banged up all the time i think those first several years in indianapolis really did a number on them in the grand scheme of things definitely that's the thing that the texans are currently doing as they just traded for laramie tunstall from the dolphins as they're trying to make sure that deshaun watson does not take another beating like he did last year another david carr situation Right, there's only you only got so many, so many bumps on your bump card, as wrestlers would say, and uh, you know when you get knocked down and hit sixty five times in a season uh, as a quarterback, when there's five to six guys assigned to protect you at, on every play, yeah, there's a major problem there. So we will get into the NFC East preview first. As the Dallas Cowboys will be our first team. Last year they finished the regular season ten and six. They went seven and one in the second half to surge to the NFC East title. They won a wild card game against Seattle and they lost to the LA Rams in the divisional round of the playoffs. Their important additions are tight end Jason Witten coming out of the Monday Night Football booth back onto the field. Wide receiver Randall Cobb, defensive tackle Tristan Hill, safety George Ikoa, offensive lineman Connor McGovern, running back Tony Pollard. Important losses, wide receiver receiver Cole Beasley, tight end Jeff Swain, defensive lineman David Irving, and linebacker Damian Wilson. We can also add their offensive lineman Fredericks, I forgot his first name, uh, to the important additions as well as he missed most of the second half of the season with uh, some really serious health issues. Uh, they find they finally seem to get those under control, so he is back anchoring that line this year. But the big news, of course, surrounding the Dallas Cowboys is the missing Ezekiel Elliott. The big news is that they're trying to get a contract done before Wednesday's practice. So we'll see how it shapes out. But first, Dwayne, I'm going to ask you, running back Tony Pollard, this man has only done what they've asked of him. He's carried the ball, scored some touchdowns. He's looked pretty good. How much pressure will be on him if they do not build this contract up to where Zeke is satisfied and he decides that he is going to seriously sit out. If he sits up the first game, I expect him to sit out all the games. That's how I personally feel. So if he sits out the whole season, how much pressure is on this kid, rookie running back who probably never envisioned being a featured part of the Dallas Cowboys in his rookie season? Well, it's going to be a lot of pressure on him because of the expectations that come with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, base. You know, they have been accustomed to uh, the running style, the running ability that that Ezekiel brings to the table. And now you got a kid who wasn't even really looking 
into this situation, but now here he is. He has to do what he has to do. But we just have to wait and see how things play out. And I also would say that there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of pressure on the Cowboys to uh, get a get a deal done. I mean, if if anything, Jerry Jones could could be strategically strategic. It should be a whole ploy to just hold him out and give him a contract, and then bam, he's healthy enough for the playoffs. So, so there is that. But I think with the situation at hand, and given the rookie who's probably wasn't expecting this, but this is your time to shine. You could give him a chance to see that hey, I could be a better option and a much more cheaper option. The Cowboys are in a very interesting situation. They've got their three main offensive weapons all up for contracts within the next two years. Dak Prescott being the most pressing. Then in order, it would probably be Amari Cooper. And then they were thinking that Zeke Elliott would be upon the back burner. But Zeke has forced himself into being the top priority this season. But they're still trying to work out something with Dak, and it looks like Amari Cooper may be the man who gets the franchise tag. How important is it that Dallas sign all three of these guys? Do you think that they can? Because to me, they're probably one more season away from really like being able to win the Super Bowl. I think they have a Super Bowl defense, and I'm not sure if they have a Super Bowl quarterback. But how important do you think it would be to sign all three of them for the further development of the Cowboys? Do you think that, you know, if Dak doesn't prove it this year, let him play out the year. He doesn't prove it. Get a veteran free agent quarterback in there. And, you know, that'll be the icing on the cake. Yeah, I think that you need to – I think – I can see why you have – I can see Zeke's frustration. He wants to be the top priority. And, and with that offensive line, that's the bread and butter. Uh, and I think an upgrade at quarterback may be beneficial to the team versus versus uh, Dak Prescott. Not saying that Dak doesn't deserve a payday and he doesn't deserve the chance to prove himself, but I think this would be his chance. I think Amari Cooper should be more of a priority than Dak Prescott personally. Uh, you got a dynamic wide receiver, a guy who, who can create matchup nightmares and is a very explosive receiver as well. And then, so a veteran quarterback or an upgrade in the quarterback position, the only problem is who would be available to be that upgrade versus with what they got. And so I don't really see anybody who's really that great to be considered an upgrade from what they have. So I would at least maybe re-sign Amari Cooper versus re-signing Dak Prescott and then maybe franchise Dak, try to see what's out there and make a move that way. But we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. All right. Next, we'll move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles finished 9-7 and seven last year. 
The Eagles lost three-fourths of its starting secondary. Their top two running backs and quarterback, Carson Wentz, to injury. But led by Nick Foles, they earned a wild-card berth. They won a playoff game in Chicago before barely falling short in New Orleans. Important additions to this year's Eagles team, Deshaun Jackson and wide receiver J.J. Arcea-Whiteside, running backs Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders, defensive tackle Malik Jackson, linebacker Zach Brown, safety Andrew Shindejo and Blake Countess, tackle Andre Dillard, and quarterback Cody Kessler. Important losses include quarterback Nick Foles, defensive ends Chris Long and Michael Bennett, Linebacker Jordan Hicks, running back Jay Ajayi, wide receivers Golden Tate and Jordan Matthews, and safety Corey Graham. Now, the big news, of course, for the Eagles is the return of Carson Wentz and the departure of Nick Foles. The biggest question actually may be, do the Eagles have a competent backup? Because as we know, the last two years, that's been the saving grace of the team is Nick Foles coming in, playing backup quarterback, being able to uh, save them in those situations. Yeah, so in that situation, it may not, uh, they may not be the same in terms of the they have a good fallback plan, but at the same time, this is where you either. Hope that the back hope once has a healthy full season, and or you can have um, either have a full season or you have somebody who can be that cable backup. I don't think a Nick Foles is gonna be like developed overnight. You know, just have somebody who can come in, learn the system. And just be ready when the numbers called on, but it really has to depend. It really has to come on Carson Wentz having to play the full season, staying fully healthy, and and then going from there. The return of Deshaun Jackson supposed to help, you know, add some punch with the loss of Golden Tate and Jordan Matthews. Um, this team is going to be it's a, it's a very good team. I mean, it's a couple of years removed from the Super Bowl, but they have so many question marks because you don't know if their quarterback is going to be able to compete for a whole season. And so much of what they do offensively relies on really good quarterback play. Uh they released uh Wendell Smallwood. He was picked up very smartly by the Washington football team. So there's one more or less weapon that they have this year. Just what do you see as the biggest question mark into uh, the Eagles this year? Do you think it's Carson Wentz overall health? Or do you think it's the ability of the uh, skill position players to produce points and uh, you know help the offense be very effective this year? It's going to be mainly the health and uh... And um, and it's going to be mainly the health and what what and if and when Carson what I mean if Carson Wentz is ready to go hopefully he is and then and then the then the death of the team's uh, QB situation so uh, quarterback death is going to be a real big concern 
And then also bringing in a team, I mean, I just don't know. I just think that for in the situation with uh, Carson Wentz, you just got to make sure that his health is good. You also got to make sure the line is protecting him and keeping him upright because that's part of the reason why he's been hurt so much. And then, and so it's all about stop, stockpiling the depth of this team. They were probably one of the more elite teams because of the depth, but now they don't have as much as they did. And that's going to be the biggest adjustment for them. Agreed. Agreed. It's going to be very interesting to see what Philadelphia produces on the field uh, this year with some different pieces and some key spots uh, uh, for them going forward. Next up, the Washington football team. Somehow they made it to 7-9. and nine. Almost everything went right in the beginning of the season. They were 6-3. and three. Then injuries derailed their season as they lost their six of their final seven games, losing two quarterbacks to broken legs and uh, offensive linemen as well. So just a nightmare of a season in the second half for the Washington football team. That led to these important new additions, starting with quarterback Dwayne Haskins and Case Keenum, safety Landon Collins, linebacker Montez Sweat, receiver Terry McLaurin, uh, offensive lineman Eric Flowers, cornerback Dominic rogers Camardi, and inside linebackers coach Rob Ryan. Important losses for the team are Jamison Crowder, Ty Inseki, linebackers Zach Brown and Preston Smith, and safety, ha-ha, Clinton Dix. It was announced earlier in the week that Case Keenum will be the starter for opening day. So the quarterback controversy for at least the first game is on hold as Dwayne Haskins will officially be the backup to Case Keenum. I don't know how long Case Keenum can keep the young boy from taking over the reins. If Case Keenum struggles and things don't look good early in the season and the schedule is basically set up for that to happen, the Washington football team could be turning to Dwayne Haskins after their bye week. And in a strange way, if Dwayne Haskins gets better, but the team is not actually winning, that could keep Jay Gruden around for one more season where he could, you know, continue to work with Haskins. But my question to you, the Libra icon, Case Keenum. He was a good quarterback in Minnesota. They had a defense that was very stingy, opportunistic, put him in a lot of good places. Washington football team feels like they have a defense that could be very opportunistic, very stingy, and put their quarterback in very good places. Do you feel like Case Keenum with its experience, and if the defense lives up to what it's built up to be, can keep Dwayne Haskins on the bench for the whole season and actually surprise people and make Washington, uh, you know, uh, a factor at least going into the last two or three weeks of the season. You know, I think anytime Case Keenum has had an opportunity, he's uh, seized that opportunity. And I think also, I'm not even going to count the situation in Denver because. John Elway sometimes does not know what he's doing. 
And I mean, you want you had somebody who took the Vikings to the NFC title game, and then that they didn't get a chance to prove that wasn't a fluke by going after Kirk Cousins. Oh, we see how that turned out, and then and then you get casted away for Joe Flacco of all people. I think when that opportunity does knock for him and Dwayne Haskins had all the chances to prove he could be the starting quarterback in week one and he did not do very all that great, if we're gonna be honest. Because if he was if he did if he did fine, he'd be starting. So I think there's a possibility that Case Keto can lead this team to a respectable record, a very decent record, and hold off Dwayne Haskins. Even if it's just for a year or so, I think he is going to get that chance to prove himself. And most times when he does get the chance to prove himself, he does pretty well. Uh, we saw the times he spot started in Houston. He showed he could be the starting quarterback in the season in Minnesota. So I don't see why not. But it's going to just be up to Jay Gruden, and we'll see how much of a leash he gives Case Keenum. And and then it's also to Dwayne Haskins if he can improve in practice, and if he does get the opportunity, show that he can be the guy that they spend the first round pick on. So that's how I feel about that whole situation. And it's really up to it's really up to Case. It's really up to all the parties involved to see where they want to go with this. I thought Dwayne Haskins, as a fan of the team, he improved over the four preseason games a lot. He has tremendous arm talent, and he can do a lot of things with his arm that maybe he makes up for by, you know, makes up for his lack of technique sometimes with the speed. Uh, he's still got some things to work with as far as throwing out to the flat with his footwork. But as far as just making plays down the field and getting balls into places that, you know, makes you look up and shake your head, that's the advantage that he has over Case Keenum. I don't think that Case Keenum is going to be able to push the ball down the field the way that Haskins will be able to do. And with the lack of receiving weapons or at least proven receiving weapons at this point in time, that's the way it's going to, if Washington's going to score, that's the way they're going to have to score. They're going to have to score in big plays because I don't think they're going to be able to grind you out and uh, and score a lot of touchdowns. They, uh, Darius Geis may be able to break a few long runs, but uh, I think that as long as Case Keenum is in there, the offense is going to be very dink and dunk and very – uh, possession-based, and I don't know in this day and time how many points you're going to be able to score presenting that type of offense. Next up, the New York Giants. The Giants finished last year at 5-11. and The only bright spot that they could really hold on to was they did have the offensive rookie of the year and running back Saquon Barkley. Important additions for the New York football giants, guard Kevin Zietler, tackle Mike Rimmers, wide receiver Golden Tate, 
Safeties, Jabril Peppers and Antoine Bethea. Linebacker, Marcus Golden. Three first-round draft picks. Quarterback, Daniel Jones. Cornerback, DeAndre Baker. And defensive tackle, Dexter Lawrence. Important losses, wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr. Safeties, Landon Collins and Curtis Riley. Linebacker, Olivier Vernon. Defensive lineman, Kerry Wynn. Cornerback, B.W. Webb. The Giants had a very explosive offseason as Dave Gettleman first shocked the football world by trading Odell Beckham Jr. to the Cleveland Browns for Jabril Peppers and a host of draft picks. Then he doubled down again during the draft and he took Daniel Jones with this Giants' second first-round pick in this year's draft, sending shockwaves through a lot of draft rooms and insider boards and message boards. But, at least by the Daniel Jones estimation, so far so good for Dave Gettleman. He also let Landon Collins walk. He saved the money on him. He's tried to re uh, to the offensive line to give Eli Manning some more protection and maybe they can squeeze two more seasons out of Eli before he's got to give it up. So, Dwayne, personal feelings aside, is Dave Gettleman going to have the last laugh after all? I love how you put personal feelings aside, so I guess I have to be nice about it, huh? Um, in the current scheme of things and seeing how Daniel Jones has performed so far, he may have the last laugh. I mean, Dave Gettleman's always been big on two things, the offensive line and the defensive line. And he did know, given that his time with the Giants, he's been with the Giants organization prior to his time in Carolina for a long time. So he knows he knows Eli's on borrowed time, and the clock is ticking and things of that sort. So he did what he had to do to get the draft pick. I do like the the defensive tackle uh, selection because he's always big on that interior. He's big on on two. Yeah, so he's big on the interior. He retools offensive line not only to give. He got more protection when he's passing, but to open up over Saquon Barkley on the run. Because we all know Saquon Barkley is essentially the franchise player now, basically. And and so you get you show up the offensive line, you get some young talent on the defensive line. He did this in Carolina uh, when he drafted Vernon Butler, who hasn't really panned out all that great, but that's neither here or there. And also K1 Short. So those guys have panned out. He's looking to see if this young D tackle that he drafted uh, will be the same same uh, situation. So even though we were scratching our heads and really wondering if he done gone see now or if he went see now. I should say, uh, he may have the last laugh after all this because, you know, there's a method to the madness. And I think in the 
in a society where we're prisoners of the moment, we forget that a lot of these decisions are not just for immediate need, but for future needs as well. Daniel Jones has looked very, very, very spectacular in the preseason. I think he's like 25 for 30 with like five or six touchdown passes. Now he's been very accurate. His ball placement has been outstanding. Just another guy that David Cutcliffe has had his hands on for more than like a year or two and has really had a chance to mold any quarterback that David Cutcliffe has at Duke that can stay underneath his tutelage for three solid years. Somebody should draft him because he's going to have a polish to him that you're really not going to be able to find out of a lot of other quarterbacks because you got to think every year in the offseason, he gets to hang out with Peyton Manning and Eli Manning during their passing camps, learning techniques, learning the finer nuances of footwork and ball placement and, and things of that sort. And then, voila, they come to the NFL and it's like, oh man, this dude looks so polished. This dude looks so ready. And it's like, well, yeah, David Cutcliffe has a lot to do with that. Now, Libra Icon, it is time for your prediction. How do you think the teams will stack up in this year's NFC East? All right, so I'm going to go with Dallas, Philadelphia, New York, and Washington. You must have been reading the Sports Illustrated this week. <laughs> Honestly, I've not read a Sports Illustrated in a very long time. So I refuse to believe that these New York Giants, without Olivier Vernon, without Landon Collins, um, without Odell Beckham Jr., has more talent than the Washington football team does. Saquon Barkley is good, but he ain't that good. So I'm going to go Dallas, <laughs> Philadelphia, Washington, and the Giants bringing up the rear in the NFC East this year. I will say this. I went back and forth on this, and I really just did a coin flip. I just did a coin flip on my phone just to figure out, okay, who's going to. So, yeah, I, I went kind of back and forth. So I'll, I'll admit that. <laughs> this is Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente. I'm joined by my co host, the Libra Icon. We just wrapped up the NFC East season division preview. Now we're going to shift over to the AFC East. In the AFC East, of course, the reigning, defending Super Bowl champions, New England Patriots, reside there. They finished the regular season 11-5. and five. They won their sixth NFL title since 2001, beating the Rams 13-3 in the lowest-scoring Super Bowl in history. Important additions include defensive lineman Michael Bennett. This is a loss and an addition in recent news as receiver Demarius Thomas was added, then cut, and supposedly he's going to be added again. Uh, they drafted wide receiver Neil Harry out of uh, Arizona State. Tight end Ben Watson, linebacker Jamie Collins is back as well. Important losses, tight end Rob Gronkowski, who retired after the Super Bowl. 
Defensive lineman Trey Flowers, right receiver Chris Hogan, offensive lineman Trent Brown, and defensive coordinator Brian Flores, who moved on to be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. An important addition in the last week to the Patriots, Josh Gordon has been reinstated fully to the NFL doesn't have to sit out any games or do anything like that. So he is full go with the Patriots. He was in the preseason, the last preseason game. It looks like he's going to be a part of the opening day roster. So how does Josh Gordon being able to come back to the Patriots without having any restrictions, how does that change that the dynamic? They went after some receivers in the offseason this year. They had to change up their cast of characters. So do you think that this is the icing on the cake that Tom Brady needed for his receiving core to be probably his best since the Randy Moss era. Yeah, it's probably one of those things where uh, now you got Josh Gordon full go, especially I would probably say it would be just as good, even better than the Moss era, but you know, Gronk did retire, so so uh Gronk retired, Chris Hogan left. Uh still have Drew Edelman, who's so reliable, uh Demarius Thomas coming two from that two. So this is a pretty loaded receiving core. Um and uh Dwayne Dwayne Allen's still there, right? And if uh, Dwayne Allen's still there, that's a reliable tight end too. Uh, if Ben Watson can't isn't a full go, so uh, having Josh Gordon back in the fold and being able to have full football activity is going to make the Patriots as dangerous as they've ever been, and they already they could possibly easily get number seven if they really put put everything together. With the departure of Flores, Bill Belichick, the mad scientist, is now back in charge of the defense. So where do you see in the past few years, it's kind of taken the Patriots a few weeks to kind of get their defense into, you know, being a part of the winning formula. Do you see that that taking a little less time this season because Belichick now will have his hands uh, full on when it comes to the defense week in and week out? Um, it's going to take some time. I think it's still going to take some time because there's some personnel that's not even there right now. So uh, for whatever reason, and whether it's injuries or off the field incidents. So I think it's going to take a little bit more time than what we probably would anticipate. Uh, even though Bill Belichick is still – has has his hands on the defense, but this is one of those things where we'll just have to let it play out and see. Tom Brady, I think he will turn 42, or he just turned 42. So he's definitely the oldest quarterback in the league right now. Does he make it through another season unscathed, or is this the year that you know, age and vulnerability finally catches up to Brady. Age is going to catch up to him. I mean, going to catch up to everybody. And and I think he will get through the season 
uh, relatively healthy, but I think he's going to take a little bit more of a beating this go around, and eventually it's going to get to the point where his body is going to tell him, you know, I can't go anymore. And once that occurs, the rest of the division will be able to breathe a heavy sigh of relief. So, <laughs> it, it's it's coming. I mean, we all know we all know Father Tom is going to make his appearance. I think it's already happening in a way with Drew Brees already, but and then and then also with Eli. But it's gonna come. It's gonna come to Brady and. I think I think Brady would like to get a couple more years in at least, but you know, it would not surprise me one way or another uh, what happens with Tom Brady at this point. We'll shift over to the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins finished last year seven and nine. They ranked thirty first in offense and the in the defense. Excuse me, allowed a franchise record six thousand two hundred fifty seven yards. So that prompted owner Stephen Ross to fire coach Adam Gase and hire defensive play caller from the Patriots defensive coordinator Brian Flores as his replacement. Important additions to this year's Miami Dolphins are quarterbacks Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen, defensive tackles Christian Wilkinson and Adolphus Washington. Tackle Jordan Mills, outside linebacker Nate Orchard, guard Kyle Fuller, tight end Dwayne Allen, running back Mark Walton, and wide receiver Ricardo Lewis. Important losses include quarterback Ryan Tannehill, David Fells, and Brock Osweiler, so their whole quarterback room is changed out. Defensive ends Cameron Wake, William Hayes, Andre Branch, and Robert Quinn. Running backs, Frank Gore, Brandon Bolden, and Senoris Perry. Tackle Sam Young and Jawan James. Wide receivers, Danny Amendola and Leontay Carew. Guard, Josh Sitton. Offensive lineman, Ted Larson. Linebacker, Stephon Anthony. Tight ends, A.J. Derby and Marquise Gray. Centers, Travis Swanson and Jake Brindle. So, of course, what stands out for the Dolphins... They traded for Josh Rosen. They let Cameron Wake go along with Ryan Tannehill in the offseason. There's been huge talk about the Dolphins preparing themselves to essentially tank this season so they can be in the sweepstakes and in the running for one of the quarterbacks that are coming out of college this year, Tua or the kid from out of Oregon, or a kid from Georgia. My question to you, Dwayne. Can the Dolphins successfully do this in a way where they're competitive, but they still end up in their final destination without making a mockery? Okay. Okay. I think they are going to do this unsuccessfully because the the losses are the losses are quite laughable. I mean, I mean Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, if it's, I mean, you got the guy who 
Peter Cloud hits magic and the guy who trademarks hits magic on the same team. And then you have a guy who paddled because the final second quarterback number one. He gets a chance to go to a team that needs a quarterback and he can't supplant a journeyman veteran from yeah, uh, from Harvard. Sorry, Ryan, for um, and then they're making all these moves to try to stop power picks, which is good in a sense, but it's also, it's also, they are in a way, they're running a team that won seven games for a chance at a number one pick, which is not which is which is not I mean I won't say not guaranteed it's just you know you can't you can't really pick and I I understand you wanna put yourself in the best position to be a new franchise quarterback or in a position that hasn't been really occupied in I mean Tannehill had several years there, but the last real franchise quarterback was Dan Marino, right? Right. And so, and now we're going to call it 2000? Uh, 2000, so, 2001, maybe. Yeah, so the Dolphins really haven't had somebody in a cornerstone position like this in almost at least 20 years by the time the draft comes around. They are going to be bad, very, very bad, and it's going to be very, very ugly in the process. And I don't know how you take away one without making a mockery of the whole process, the talent, uh, the franchise, because this is a team that has the only undefeated team in NFL history, and this is what they're reduced to. So just that alone makes it a mockery. And and will it be? And are they gonna keep make sure they keep Brian Flores in this process? Are they really gonna give him a chance to turn it around? Because we see what happened with Steve Wilkes, and and we see how that turned out. So is this gonna be? Are they gonna stress patience with uh, Flores or? Are they going to give him the world stream and just boot him after one season? We'll move on to the New York Jets. The New York Jets finished last year 4-12. Todd Bowles lost his job. And months later, general manager Mike McGagan lost his as well. The Jets failed to make the playoffs in four straight seasons under Bowles and the general manager combination. So the team chairman, Chris Johnson, turned to Adam Gase as his new head coach. Johnson then hired former Eagles executive Joe Douglas to take over the roster. Important additions to the New York Jets include defensive coordinator Greg with two G's, Williams, Running back Le'Veon Bell, linebacker CJ Mosley, receiver Jamison Crowder, uh, left guard Kaleki Asamili, rookie defensive lineman Quentin Williams, 
quarterback Brandon Poole, running back receiver Ty Montgomery, rookie outside linebacker Ja'Kai Polite, receiver Josh Bellamy, quarterback Trevor Simeon, and kicker Chandler Cantonzaro. Important losses are uh, receiver kick returner Andre Roberts, kicker Jason Myers, running back Isaiah Crowell, lineman James Carpenter, quarterback Buster Scrine, quarterback Morris Claiborne, and safety Terrence Brooks. Now, last year, it was all about the development of Sam, Sam Darnold. The hot shot quarterback from USC came in, did some really good things as a rookie. Unfortunately, it wasn't good enough for Todd Bowles to keep his job. But now, Adam Gase is in. He really didn't do much for uh, Ryan Tannehill when they were together in Miami. But now he gets to work with a new guy, a little different skill set, more of a traditional quarterback in Sam Darnold. Do you think that Sam Darnold will turn Adam Gase back into a genius this year with his ability to run his offense, maybe in a more traditional sense than Ryan Tannehill could. Yes. So I definitely am not optimistic for the Jets. I really love this level. This is kind of my own and just foolishly hired this guy to take over. And... I'm just not too fine. I never really liked this hiring at all. I think they could have there for it to hire. But Adam Gase is a coach, and and this is the hand that they're going to deal. So uh, do I think that there's going to be any kind of improvement in the Jets? Uh, mediocre... Uh, mediocre. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But it's just not. It's just. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Really, mediocre because seven and nine, they weren't all that great. I think he was rightly regarded as one of the best coordinators and. It kind of goes back to the whole uh, maybe you're a better coordinator than a head coach kind of deal. And and I think that he's had he's done it in Denver, wasn't really all that great. Miami wasn't all that great. I just don't see the Jets being all that great either. So I, I just don't see them going too far ahead. They'll be better than the Dolphins. I mean, everybody in that division is going to be better than Miami, but not going to be like good enough where they can challenge the Patriots. Greg Williams is coming over to take over this talented defensive uh, team. They've added C.J. Mosley. They've also added the rookie Quinn, uh, Quinn Williams from out of Clemson. So the defense looks to be very stout this year. And they've also added Le'Veon Bell, who is coming off of a whole year sitting out. He's fresh. He, body should be rejuvenated. What do you expect to see from Le'Veon Bell this year? Do you expect to see him um, be the leader of the offense when it comes to the Jets this year? 
or do you see like a drastic fall off just because of the inactivity uh, over the past year? Well, I don't see any drop off from being inactive. If anything, he's very, very healthy. There's no, there's not as there should be any aches and pains from sitting out that long. He should be well rested, and and for that, I think it's a. What's the word I'm looking for? It's a. It's a situation where I think Bell will be able to take command. I think, especially late in the games, but what could be the Jets saving grace to be a little more optimistic about them is that defense. And like you said, and they got a lot of talent on their defensive end. And, uh, you know, they got pretty good talent on the offensive end. Uh, with Bell, uh, Jameson Crowder was a good pickup. Uh, Todd Montgomery was a good pickup as well. But, yeah, that defense will keep them in a lot of games uh, going forward, definitely. Our final team in the AFC East is the Buffalo Bills. Carolina North. The Bills went 6-10. and 10. Josh Allen was 2-3 and three before missing four games with the sprained right throwing arm. Then he displayed progress, closing the season at 3-3. Three and three. Important additions include center Mitch Morse, receivers Cole Beasley and John Brown, rookie defensive tackle Ed Oliver, running backs Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon, tight end Tyler Croft, cornerbacks Kevin Johnson and EJ Gaines, rookie offensive lineman Cody Ford, Offensive lineman Ty Inseki, John Feliciano, and Spencer Long. Receiver and return specialist Andre Roberts. And quarterbacks coach Ken Dorsey. Important losses include defensive tackle Kyle Williams. Quarterback Derek Anderson. Tight end Charles Clay. Running back Chris Ivory. Outside linebackers Ryan Gore and John Miller. So Josh Allen, quite the project to start the year, but as I said in the beginning of the uh, breakdown for the last season of Buffalo's team, he did start to show a little bit of things in the second half of the season. He started running the ball a little bit more. They started getting him outside the pocket on the edges where he could choose to run or pass, and he started to show a little bit more touch and accuracy towards the end of the season. So it looks like maybe if he can get some good coaching, that's why they're bringing in Ken Dorsey help him with his accuracy, clean up his feet, footwork. I'm really big on quarterbacks and their feet. Uh, as long as he can get his feet to go where you want him to go, is you know, when he gets pressured and things, it looks like Josh Allen can possibly play, and your man Sean McDermott might actually have a uh, franchise quarterback there in Buffalo. It's all kind of come down to can they generate the defense? The years that Buffalo has been good or on the edge of being good, it's always because they had defense that could turn people over, keep them out of the end zone. Have they finally built up enough pieces over there with uh, Coach McDermott to have one of these stingy defenses that can help Josh Allen win games in ugly fashions and uh, not basically put so much pressure on him to be so spot on? No, I don't think so. I think there's a... There's still some missing 
missing holes uh, in the linebacking core and, uh, and in the secondary to really kind of do what they desire to do. Now, this is a team with the 4-3. They definitely like to get out to the quarterback. And I just don't see them having that personnel right now to give them that, give them that uh, rush, that speed that they need at the moment. So as much as, you know, they have they've done well, it's been a long way to go in the process. So I can't say that I agree with this because I see every I see it uh, quite often, especially with as long as um, Mr. V is uh, running the show in Buffalo and Sean McDermott's head coach. It's it's still going to what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's going to be a little bit of time. So we'll just have to wait and see. What happens from there? Now, with the news of Shady McCoy being released and the cut down to the 53-man roster, looks like Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon become a lot more important to the success of what's going to happen in Buffalo. Uh, how do you feel that tandem is going to work out now? Is they going to be the main ball carriers as uh, Shady McCoy is moving on to Kansas City? Um, it's a good, another good question. They're just going to make it, they just have to make it work. That's the only way you can get better at this. Okay, whoever's working, and you don't get the results that you want out of it. So that's what they have to do, basically, put that work in. All right, so Dwayne, now it's time for your predictions. How do you think is the AFC East will will rank out this year? Patriots by a wide margin, then the Jets, then the Bills, and then the Dolphins. You said Patriots, Jets, Dolphins, and Bills. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's pretty much how I feel as well. I don't see anybody dethroning a healthy Patriots squad, and by healthy I mean Tom Brady on the field. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the Jets, I expect them to be very, very, very much improved this year, and possibly a team that could be right there at the edge of a playoff spot at the end of the season. Just depends if they can get some bounces to go their way or not. So, good luck to the New York Jets. I'd really like to see them do well this year. Uh, I kind of, I've always kind of liked the Jets for some reason. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Same here. Same here. I, I mean, before Panther, before I rolled with all Carolina, I was, I was a Jets fan a long time ago. So there, there's that. I get it. <laughs> now it's time for your final season prediction. The two teams that you see matching up. In this year's Super Bowl. Oh boy! And based on everything, uh, let me just say the Patriots at the AFC, and then in the NFC, okay, uh, uh, Patriots on the AFC, 
And the NFC is going to be tough. Um, I think I'm going to say Patriots and Saints, and then Brady Brady beats Breeze. So Patriots get number seven, unfortunately. Patriots and Saints, huh? Yes. All right. My prediction for this year's Super Bowl. I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Chargers at the AFC. Whoa. And the Chicago Bears. Whoa. Yep. I think that it's going to be a year where Phillip Rivers and the Chargers, they finally start hot. The little Melvin Gordon situation is not going to really play that big of an issue with them. I know the Derwin James situation is a big deal on defense, but I think they got enough talent up front where they can get by uh, with missing him for a month or two. But I think as long as they start fast on offense and Phillip Rivers can start off really hot, averaging three or four touchdowns a game, to start off the season the first three weeks or so, I think the Chargers will get a 3-0, 4-0 start, and it'll propel them to the upper echelon of the AFC. They'll get those home games. They'll split with Kansas City, and they can get that that playoff game at home if need be. And I just think that Chicago's defense is so good. If they improve their field goal kicking – that's the only weakness they really had. Trubisky proved to be a quarterback who could come from behind. He could add on to games when they were leading and, and make plays and, and, and boost the score up. So he showed a lot to me last year, and I think he's going to only improve. So if they continue to get good health, their wide receivers continue to step up, I don't see why Chicago – doesn't have home full advantage throughout the whole NFC East, and nobody wants to go play there at the end of the season. So you heard it from me. My choice is the Chargers and the Bears in the Super Bowl, the Libra icon picking the Patriots and the Saints. So, Dwayne, it's time for your shout-outs and thank yous for this edition of Know the Score. All right. Uh, shout out to CSPO. Shout out to my friends and family and everybody listening. Thank you. And uh, the final thought would be sportsmanship. And so if you all saw the U.S. Open, uh, Naomi Osaka showed why she's probably like one of the class acts of 2019 uh, after uh, beating Coco Golf in straight sets uh, she consoled Coco they talked for a little bit uh, she wanted her to stay on the on the uh, post-match interview gave love to her parents and it was just an awesome thing to see and you know it's always good to see that kind of thing and and it just shows the future of tennis is just in so much great hands i mean not only with uh 
uh, Naomi and Coco, but Sloan Stevens. And of course, you know, we got to still keep it in the present. Serena is still here. Venus still here. Uh, Katie McNally is also somebody to look out for in the future as well. So uh, tennis is in great hands, especially women's tennis. Is, and just, um, I mean, Naomi Osaka did lose this in earlier today, but it'll still, what she did the other night, just still makes it amazing. So that's my final thought. All right, Dwayne, I'd like to give shout-outs to you. Give a shout-out to everybody who listened to Know the Score. Give a big shout-out to K-Bads from the Hot Fire Starter Podcast who joined me for a special fantasy football uh, edition of Know the Score. So I hope everybody listened to that before their draft or listened to that after their draft to get some tips on how they can be a beast in their fantasy league this year. My final thoughts, it is officially September and we are now getting into the meaningful part of the Major League Baseball season. This is the home stretch. And we've got all these teams vying for these playoff spots out in the American League. Minnesota and Cleveland, they're trading lead back and forth each and every day. So it looks like one of those teams is going to end up as a division winner. One of those teams might be a wild card team. Tampa Bay, they're currently the first wild card team. They have a half a game lead over Cleveland. But like I said, Cleveland's more interested in trying to win, a, win their division. The A's are just a half game back of both of those teams. In Boston, they're kind of losing touch as they're five games back of Cleveland for that second wild card spot. Over in the National League, the Washington Nationals, they have resurre- resurrected their season. They're firmly in the first wildcard spot. The Chicago Cubs, they're holding down the second spot with Philadelphia and Milwaukee. Two and a half, three games back, respectively. Arizona, three and a half games back. And the Mets, four games back. So this month of baseball. That's all I'm up in the national right now. Yes, so this month of baseball is very important to all of those teams I just mentioned. They've got to go on some insane winning streaks, especially if you're Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Arizona, and the Mets. Uh, Not so much if you're the A's. I think the A's may just be able to play some mediocre baseball and and get in because they're, they're, like I said, they're only a half a game back from actually – taking over Tampa Bay for the first uh, wild card spot. So very interesting stuff going on in the American League. It's going to be fun down the stretch. Uh, shout out to Justin Verlander throwing his third career no-hitter on Sunday. That puts him in some very, very, very rarefied air as men with um, three or more no-hitters. So he joins the likes of Cy Young, Sandy Koufax, and Nola Ryan, just to name a few. So he is definitely on the fast track to the Hall of Fame. And they got one more notch in his belt to go on that plaque and that resume. So congratulations to Justin Verlander for his third no-hitter. For my co-host, the Libra icon, I'm Don DeLorente. And now you know the score.